Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, in whom we live and move and have our being, from thy kind hand comes down every good and perfect gift, and we humbly thank thee for all thy loving kindness to us. We come before thee confessing our sins for which we ask thy forgiveness. Bless us in our bodies and our spirits, which are thine. Grant us food and strength and clothing and shelter as we need and give us grace to know and to do thy holy will. Make the path of duty plain before us. Keep us from temptation and from sin, enabling us to glorify thee upon the earth. Bless too all our loved ones whom in the arms of our prayer will bring before thee. Heal any who are sick, comfort the sorrowful, and strengthen any who are faltering. Grant them each one thy favor in which is life, thy loving kindness which is better than life. Remember graciously the community in which we dwell in all its interests, temporal and spiritual prosper thy church among us and give success to its work. Bless our country and make us that happy people whose God is the Lord. Send out thy light and thy truth and hasten the coming of thy kingdom in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see so when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before I get into the class, I also want to read um, this particular uh, devotional because I think it's timely with what is going on in our lives today in this world system. And um, it says, um, be still and know that I am God. I just, I just like that right there. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. And so the writer says, from the time we wake up until the time we go to sleep, we bombarded with noise. The alarm clock begins and, and the giving away to the morning news, the honking traffic and the blaring radio, computers and cell phones chirp, keep beeping and ring, constantly demanding our attention. Now y'all know you can identify to all of that, amen. And um, noise fills our ears and distracts our minds. I can't even hear myself think, I often exclaim in frustration. Sadly, the relentless, relentless noise doesn't just drown out our thoughts, it also drowns out God's voice. Psalms 46.10 reminds us that if we want to experience a firm confidence that God is in control, we must quiet ourselves in spite of the world around us. This might be as simple as refusing to turn on the TV, radio, or computer on a given day until after we've read our Bible so that you will have something to compare what you're hearing with. Or it might mean praying on the way to work instead of listening to music on the radio. Taking a few moments for quiet reflection gives us the opportunity to listen for God's voice. Sometimes we can hear God's shouting to Sometimes we can hear God shouting to get our attention, but more often God speaks in a still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's a sound we never want to miss. So uh, the prayer focus, she writes, is gracious God, help us to quiet ourselves amid the chaos around us so that we can hear your voice more clearly. Amen. That has to be a conscious prayer. That has to be something that you consciously say in order to take that control. You cannot depend on your thought pattern or that you have control. Amen. Um, I think on Saturday I talked about how you think your thoughts are all your thoughts, but we are controlled by one or two powers. Amen. And if those thoughts are not glorifying God, edifying others, and sanctifying you, you know where they're coming from. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're in First uh, Timothy chapter 6. And actually, it's really a continuation from what Paul was talking to Timothy in chapter 5. So um, the title is, What is Expected from a Christian Servant? What is expected from a Christian servant? Now, servant being used in chapter six in the Greek really means slave. What is expected from a Christian slave? Y'all don't like that. <laughs> That's okay, you'll get beyond it. Okay, let me read the scriptures. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemy. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil uh, surmisings, perverse disputings of men and of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. <laughs> but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we carry nothing out and having food and remnant or clothing let us be there with content into temptation and a snare and into and hurtful lust which drown men in destruction or prediction for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Okay, I'm going to um, stop right there and go back through it and then work our way through. Doing Paul's time, like I told you, the word servant here in the Greek means a slave. So doing Paul's time, um, slaves were common. And now think about this. This was before and during Jesus' reign. There were slaves. That was a common thing. So slavery didn't begin in the South. 
with the black culture, okay? So in thinking of that, listen to what Paul is telling Timothy. Let as many servants as are, let as many slaves as are under the yoke count their own master worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemy. Now, you know what a yoke is, okay? So he's, he's, he's saying you may be under duress and having a hard time, but they were told to treat their masters with honor and respect as unto the Lord. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord as to represent a higher kingdom and be a godly representative of the Lord. In other words, as believers, he's talking to the believers. We are to act above and beyond, not according to what we see and what we're facing because we represent a higher kingdom and you can't represent him acting like the kingdom below which is the world or maybe even who you work for, because you can use this in today's term and it will represent your employer as your master. Okay. So he says, which will allow the loss when you, when, when you are doing what is right according to the Lord and the lost people see how you can operate high above the situation, then it will allow them to hear what they need to hear eventually, if not right away. Amen. Amen. So he says, um, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are their brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit, these things which are exhort. So it's, uh, when you have godly Masters, everything we do must be done with the view of Christ in mind, not yourself. Okay, now, and two, when he's talking about believing, believing masters, it says you must not despise or disrespect them, for they are your brothers in Christ. And if you can treat unbeliever masters with respect and honor, there's far more expected of what, how you're supposed to treat uh, believing masters. Okay? And so um, you need to, need to recognize that if you're going to be enslaved by anyone, then if you're enslaved by a believing master, then you give off more to them than you would to an unbelieving master. Amen. Um, we are slaves to Christ. Before salvation, we were slave, slaves to Satan. Okay, so now we're slaves to Christ. Now, let me read the scripture that supports that. For, for any of you that like, I ain't nobody's slave. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you breathe in, you somebody's slave. <laughs> Romans 6 
and uh, verses 17, 18, because in Romans 6, it's, it's talking about our new life and spirit of life in Christ. So 16 and 17 says, the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. No more just his creation. We are now his children. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So you are a slave, whether you believe it or accept it or not. But the good news is you're not enslaved to a master that has you yoked. Glory. We're enslaved to walk as he has walked. Amen. Now, uh, we, we must realize that um, um, these are commands that Paul is giving to Timothy. And those commands are the same for believers today. This is, don't talk about, well, that was in the New Testament. The New Testament, what Paul is teaching was to prepare believers uh, from that age to ages to come. It was not a period of time that they uh, honored that. It's a continuation, and that's how believers are to operate until Jesus' return. We have accepted our royal position in the kingdom as if we are so special, entitled, and deserving, exempt, and deserve special pay or payment to make up for any wrong done to us. This is how believers operate today. We think we're in some special club that causes us to be exempt from any pain, disappointment, disillusion, or whatever. And all we have to do is name it and claim it and it's all going to go away. <laughs> However, it is really just the opposite. You remember the Lord says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I will bring you out of all of them. Let me tell you, our teacher Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, tells us how to be humble, lowly, and to make great sacrifices for our master, the Heavenly Father, who in return will reward us with far greater than our sufferings. Now, let, let, let's go over to Isaiah 53. And, and remember, we are joined, we just read in Romans, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs means that we partake not only in the heavenly blessings of power and authority, but also in the afflictions. Amen. Amen. And we can't get by in this life with just thinking everything is going to be good. Now, in Isaiah 53, it, it, it tells us what Jesus had to go through in order for us to be redeemed because he loved us so much and God sent him through all of this because God loved us so much that he sent a redeemer on our behalf. This redeemer who knew no sin, who did nothing wrong, had to suffer, but he did it in humility and quiet. He wasn't defending his rights. Okay. It says, uh, are you there? 53. 
verse one says, who have believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a, and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form, no comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. Okay, he didn't come here trying to be something great. He reduced to come here to fight this battle. He says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as if they were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, all of that, what Jesus went through, he was despised. He was uh, acquainted with grief. He had sorrows. He had pain. He suffered sickness. All of this for us, which means this, everything that we face, he's already conquered it. And in him, do we gain a victory over all of those things? Okay. It says, surely he have borne our griefs, all of our sorrows and our fears, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. I think what he's saying here is that yet we seem to, uh, to go through that time, especially during the resurrection time, a lot of traditional churches go through the preparation of like a mourning season and all of the colors and the, and, and the decor that represents mourning and grief because, oh, look what Jesus went through. Oh, my poor Jesus. I can't comprehend that. That should be a time of celebration, a time when we adorn the altars and everything else with light, with rejoicing, because he went there on our behalf and we didn't have to suffer. And he was the only one that can endure and take it. So we should be celebrating the victory, glorifying him for what he has done. He was wounded for our transgressions. He paid the cost for the sins that we commit and will commit. Those, those are the transgressions, okay? He was bruised for our iniquity, the sin that we was born with. We were born with selfishness. He's been bruised for that. When are we going to let it go and give it to him, okay? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That means that we get peace by entering into him, not by your circumstances changing and being according to how you want them, but because you know how to get into him when things are not right so you can gain the peace that only he can give you. He says, I didn't come to bring peace to this earth. I came to bring barons and anybody that has peace is because they're in Christ. It says that, and with his stripes, you were healed. With, he was whipped 36 times. Represent every disease that will ever be on this earth. There is no new disease that God, that Jesus didn't handle on the cross with his stripes. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? I don't care what kind of virus they come up with. It was put on the cross and Jesus took the, stri the, the stripes of it on his body. Which means what? You can be healed. Amen. If you believe in him. 
Do y'all realize that? But we walk around here and handle this like there is no cure. There is no answer to what's going on. It was answered on the cross of Calvary. It says, since all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Do I hear that? He was brought as a lamb, lamb who says nothing to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Okay. You, did you get the point? We don't deserve anything. There is nothing owed to us. What is really owed to us, if we had to pay it, we would faint. So let's stop expecting and acting like we deserve something and we've been mistreated. The world, life have not been fair to us and we are owed so much because we have brown skin. There is only one race that was born through the loins and the sin of Adam and Eve. No matter what your culture is, what part of the world you came from, your foreparents are called Adam and Eve. Amen. Now, like I said, all of these sufferings, let's go over to 2 Corinthians 4. Because all of these little sufferings that we're going to suffer, that now you realize you can't get up out of them. God has made a way of escape. He's made a way out of escape for us. But then on the other hand, go to 2 Corinthians 4, and I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. He says, For which cause we think not, but through our outward man, Per though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So by your outward man is perishing just because life, when you, when you are born, you don't grow younger. <laughs> you progress and get older. And so this body is decaying day by day by day. He says, but the inward man is renewed day by day by day. So you wasn't born here to live here forever. You were born to die, just like Jesus. Amen. And so he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, work it for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So when we follow God's way as a slave to him, a servant unto him, and suffer and deal with some injustices, Think higher. Put your thoughts on your master. His name is Jesus Christ. Okay? Because the eternal weight is far greater than the afflictions, the momentary afflictions that you're going to experience here on earth. Amen? And let's stop feeling sorry for ourselves. When we make a decision that what is expected to come is far greater. And now I'm willing to put and stop all of this complaining and feeling sorry. We need to learn how to give those troubles to the Lord. Give all of our troubles to the Lord. Give all of our weaknesses to the Lord.
um, and our pains, all of our disappointments to the Father who will exchange them for his joy, his peace, and his steadfastness. He says we are to take on his fruit. So that is an exchange. I give him my mess and he gives me his glory through the fruit of his spirit. Amen. Because we need to learn to look with a new heart and no longer with our eyes. See, the natural eye will deceive you. It will inflict fear and pain. It will dissipate hope and turn your focus on negativity and not on faith, which is the substance or the realization of things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. What do it mean? I'm in a situation, naturally, what I see with my eyes is hopeless and despairing. But I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to look at my master that's going to turn my hope into faith. And I'm going to realize the things that I don't see, I believe so in my heart that I visualize it and it becomes a reality in my life because they're on the one person can take and turn things around supernaturally before your eyes and give you the peace and the joy that you need in, in order to stand day by day. Amen. Okay, back to, back to Timothy. Now, um, the verses in 3 and 5, I mean 3 to 5, Paul talks about money. Okay, so I'm going to read those verses again and then we'll have a little discussion about it. 3 to 5, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, do the, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but do doting about questions and stripes of words, whereof cometh, you know, okay, I, I call that a philosopher. You know, we got a whole lot of religious philosophers, okay, that know a little something, talk all the time, but ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Full of itself, <laughs> amen. Okay, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Whoa supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. This is what Paul is telling. So P Paul is talking about money. T teachers teaches things when people who focus on that and, and not, and he, the, the men he were talking about at that time, which were the Judaizers, they were opposing what Paul had taught. And, and what Paul was teaching was the gospel from heaven. Okay. But we are just like those Judaizers because if, if we're not hearing something that's going to make me feel good now or, or, or some kind of tangible something that I can see that gives me hope, then I'm going to faint. God's gospel teaches a proper attitude of individuals toward him. That's what the gospel is about, okay? A proper attitude towards him, because when we can keep that attitude right, 
We can hold on till we see the victory. And, 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 it's, and he then teaches us how to acquire wealth and riches and prominence. That is fleeting and earthly that you can't take with you when you go to the grave. False teachings result from pride, greed, and vanity, none of which are traits of Jesus Christ. However, with these traits occupying your soul, you will never be able to see or understand who Jesus is and what he expects from you. We must first acknowledge that we are naturally selfish and then humbly humble ourselves before God in prayer to be made free from the spirit of selfishness. If we don't acknowledge it, he cannot free us. You know, we say, you hear people saying things, well, God would do this and God would do that. But when have you humbled yourself before him and asked him? The Lord's prayer, remember, is a format of how we're to approach God. And, he, and in it, it says, give me this day my daily bread. You're asking for provisions. You're not walking around because you have said, Father, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and now because you have set, accepted that, now everything is just to flow down from heaven. That's not how it works. Our expectations are too great. And it's amazing how great our expectations are of God and others and less of ourselves. A lack of sound teaching when, they're talk, when the teaching is, is spent on, on, on money and gain and stuff disqualify one of real true godliness. You may feel right and agree with all of the facts, but it does not, nor will it make you right and will not negate the fact that you will stand before the Lord to answer for your rejection of the truth. You know how people say, well, I just know that I'm right. I just feel it. You can feel all you want to. But when you get before Jesus, when would you tell me how to? And, and, and I'm not going to go through this, those scriptures from 6 to 10 because it is telling us that, that the root of evil is the love of money. The love of money, not having the money, it's the love of it. And, and, and sometimes when you have a whole lot of it, even though you didn't get it out of love, but you become to fall in love with it because it's providing all of your selfish, emotional, natural needs. This is why people fare better when they are living with the necessities more of life than the extreme extras. Because you're always faithful, grateful, and thankful to the provider who allow you to live in comfort. Amen. So just think about it. When we need a whole lot more than what is actually needed for us to make it, what is it about? You know. Well, ain't nothing wrong with being wealthy. Really? I don't know. Because just the fact that you are saying that, let's examine your character so to determine whether or not you can handle wealthy or not. Amen? Let me tell you, the greatest wealth is knowing your Savior and knowing that He can deliver you from anything. That's the greatest wealth. Okay, so... Um, we're not going to go through those scriptures, but um, verses 11 through 16. Here Paul talks or teaches Timothy on, on uh, operating 
in having faith. Okay, so let's go through these because I'm going to read, I'm going to climax reading out of my Jewish Bible, which really narrows it down. He says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. He says, in other words, you can't follow the world and, in the, and the Lord at the same time. Follow or coveted after the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he's telling. When he talks about uh, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, that's the fruit of the Spirit of, of Christ. If you want to covet any gift, cover that. We need to covet being like him. Okay? And, and it says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So uh, that prof profession should be really say confessed. You have confessed uh, uh, and, and, and confessed before many witnesses. It says, we are called to follow Christ. That is the walk and the talk that we should have, which is our confession of faith. And when we walk before men, that's what they need to see. You know, you don't walk, uh, confess your faith among other Christians. It need to be done before non-Christians. Just think about it. You're in Christ. You know who you are in him. You know who he is. You have joy, peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost, and you live accordingly. And yet, you may not have as much as somebody else who's living out there in the world who is upset, who's dealing with issues, who's having problems trying to maintain that wealth they have acquired, who has such great bitterness that they're angry all the time, and they get angry over some things that it doesn't even make sense to be angry of them, and they can't explain it. That's who you need to be confessing your faith to and walking before them. We got too many people who are angry and wounded and hurt by things that happened long, long time ago, but because they were never resolved, that bitterness have rooted inside of them. And now they don't even know why they're angry. So any little thing that comes up that's contrary to how they feel or what they think, they strike out against and they think that that's their problem that's, and that is their issue. It is not. It's just that what's rooted inside of you surface up because you're not content. You're not pleased. You're not happy. You don't even like you. So therefore, every little thing that comes up, you got to examine it and find a reason why it's a problem and why it's off. It's not the problem. You're the problem. And when you can recognize that, then you can cry out to God and say, show me me the way you see me so that I can be free and be delivered. I am tired of being angry. I am tired of getting offended over every little thing that I hear or see. I am, I am tired of viewing things in such a way that it keeps me upset. The people who I feel have done something to me ain't even bothered or aware, but I am upset. Help me to recognize what's going on with me. 
because why you are holding out and against somebody that you think has offended you, that don't even know that you have been offended and more or less by them are not even consumed, concerned about you and going on with their life, getting what they need and you are still jacked up. It's time to do an inner search and ask God to open you up and do surgery on your heart and your soul so that you can walk upright in what, let me tell you, a person dealing with all of that kind of stuff, I'm trying to hold my spot in this book, person who's dealing with all of that stuff within them and they are doing some things that are right according to the word, let me tell you something. They think because they are doing some things and they have some understanding concerning the word that they are okay. Let me tell you, you have not even come up to what you can possibly do that supersedes all that what you're doing. You haven't even come to scratch the surface of all that you can have. That is mercy that will allow you to know what little bit you do know waiting for you to awaken and accept his grace to give you greater than you can even understand or comprehend. So don't think you have arrived because you know a little something out of this Bible. When God has a plan for you to do even greater than what you're doing. If I know a little something, that's a clue I can know a whole lot more. The moment I surrender my way, surrender my will to God so he can open up the revelation that he wants me to have. Because there is so much revelation in this book, we will never know it. Two lifetimes. And what he privileged you to know, hallelujah, Jesus, is first for you and then for the others. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, 13. He says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quicken all things, who made these things open to you and gives life. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. So Paula said, I am passing my mantle to you, Timothy. All that I know and have witnessed before Christ, I'm passing that on to you. And for Paul to pass it on is because he saw that Timothy was ready and God probably told him he's ready and he can be trusted to be blameless. Do you understand what it means to be blameless? It doesn't mean that you don't sin. It means that he is aware of who he is in Christ. And if he sinned and when he sinned, he knows how to release it and give it to him immediately and not walk around thinking that he can't do no wrong because he has a title or he has great knowledge because Paul had supreme wisdom and knowledge of the word. He could have been puffed up, huffed up and everything else. But no, he knew who he had to rely on and who was supplying him with, with all that he knows. Amen. Okay, so um, that thou keep his commandments without spot, unrebukable, 
unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what is expected out of all of us, that we work to keep his commandments. Let me tell you, you don't even have to focus on all of the 10, focus on the love. Because when you focus on the love of Christ and you want to walk in his love, there are just certain things you won't do or say because of the love that's reigning in you. See, we need to fall in love. And if you are not in love with Jesus, you just think you are. You need to ask God to help you to love him. See, a lot of us don't realize that we're really not in love with him. We're only in love with what he can do. He's like a sugar daddy or a God daddy, Godfather. Because the, he does this for me and he does that. No, can you just love him for being who he is? Because you'll read more. He says, seek, me, seek ye first my kingdom. Then everything else will be added unto you. I'm seeking to know him. Listen, life is far greater than what happens on this earth. And, it's, and what you get seeking his hand is an earth situation. Seeking his kingdom is the eternal kingdom situation. That means I may not have much here, but I'll have far greater. And I'm going to make it. And I'm going to make it. That's what's most important. Okay, it says, which in his times he shall show manifest. That word show here means manifest. Who is the blessed and only potent, potentate, I guess, potentate, yeah. That means a sovereign person. The king of kings and lord of lords. That means <laughs> when Jesus comes back, the second coming, there would be no doubt who he is. He comes back as king and judge, but nobody, no one will have no problems knowing who he is. And if you didn't know him as a savior, you now will have the opportunity to know him as your judge. I don't want to know him as my judge. I want to know him as my savior and I accept him as my master. So I won't have to recognize him at that second coming as, as, as my judge. He says, who only have immorality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man have seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting, amen. God dwells in a light that is itself unapproachable, which means that flesh and blood cannot and to attain it or inherit the kingdom of God. So, you know, but people, I, I just want to see Jesus. No, you, you just want to sit up and, 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 and have an appearance so you can sit up and talk about, you know, I saw Jesus. You're not going to see Jesus with your flesh and blood. He, let me tell you, all you have to do is open up your heart. You'll see him all the time. Because I should see him when I look at you. When I look at you. When I look at you, I'm supposed to be seeing Jesus. So I'm sitting around here trying to have some spectacular, sensational vision that you can't handle if he happened to show up, you would die. Because flesh and blood can't handle it. 
See, I, I don't want to see them until I know it's time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, okay. Now, uh, verses 17, 19 is the use of riches. And this is where I'm going to read now my Jewish Bible. So be, just bear with me, please. Because uh, reading out of this, he's showing all of this. It says, and, and, and what I'm going to read in the short form is the whole chapter. Those who are under the yoke of slavery should regard their masters as worthy of full respect so that the name of God and the teaching will not be brought into disrepute. And those who have been believing masters, those who have believing masters are not to show them less respect on the ground that they are brothers. They are brothers. On the contrary, they should serve all the more diligently since those benefiting from their service are believers whom they love. Teach and exhort people about these things. If anyone teaches differently and does not agree to the second precepts of our Lord, Yoshia the Messiah, and to the doctrine that is in keeping with godliness, he is swollen with conceit and understands nothing. Instead, he has a morbid desire for controversy and word battles, out of which come jealousy, dissension, insults, evil suspicions, and constant wrangling among people whose minds no longer function properly who have been deprived of the truth so that they imagine that religion is a road to riches. Now, true religion does bring great riches, but only to those who are content with what they have. For we have brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So if we have food and clothing, we will be satisfied with these. Furthermore, those whose goal is to be rich fall into temptation. They get trapped in many foolish and hurtful ambitions, which plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love, love of money is a root of all the evils. Because of this craving, some people have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves to, to the heart with many pains. But you, as a man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you testify so well to your faith before many witnesses. I charge you before God and give life to all things and before the Messiah Yeshua, who, who in his witness to Pontius Pilate gave the same good testimony to obey your commission spotlessly and irreproachably until our Lord Yeshua the Messiah appears. His appearing will be brought about in his own time by the blessed and sole sovereign who is king of kings, lord and of lords, and who alone is immortal, who dwells in unapproachable light that no human being has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. As for those who do have riches in this present world, charge them not to be proud and not to let their hopes rest on the uncertainties of riches, but to rest their hopes on God, who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and ready to share. In this way, they will treasure up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they may lay hold of the real life. O Timothy, keep safe what has been entrusted to you. O reconciled church, <laughs> keep safe what has been entrusted to you. 
turn away from the ungodly babblings and the argumentative opposition of what is falsely called knowledge. For many who promise this knowledge have misused the mark as far as, as the faith is concerned. Grace be with you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'll do the benediction now and then. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace beyond all understanding. Traveling mercies when you leave this place. And don't forget to tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Yeah.